Hey everyone, this is Addicted to Living, a podcast about escaping self-doubt, shifting your identity, and ultimately your mindset so you can finally have the life and the relationships you've always wanted and actually know you deserve. We're your host, Brett and Monica Odell. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Hey guys, so today we are going to go over a list of questions that we've been asked and a few other things in here that we've actually just noted down to kind of talk about in one of our podcast episodes. Today it's going to be very unscripted and raw and just kind of what we think about things. So Yeah, definitely. All right. Are we ready to get started? I think we're ready. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to just pull one out. Being afraid to open up, share yourself, how to speak to others. So what do you think about that, Brett? Okay, well, I'll tell you, this is an easy one for me. So talking about being afraid to open up, share yourself, how to speak to others, all that good stuff. One thing that I've noticed in my recovery, and this is maybe sound a little backwards, but it is what it is. So I have zero issues talking about my addiction, about my recovery, about the mistakes that I made during my addiction, the people I hurt, things like that. For some reason, that is so easy for me to talk to. There's no real shame. There's no real anything that goes along with it. It's strictly like, hey, it is what it is. This is what I did. This is who I was. I wonder if it's maybe because I know that I'm not that person anymore. You know, I, I know that I'm not that person anymore. I'm no, I know I'm not doing those things that I did during that time of my life. So you're able to accept and acknowledge kind Definitely, of like the last yep. episode we yes, talked about. Yes. I am. It's so easy for me. Now, on the other hand, I feel like there it's harder for me to open up and maybe share about things outside of my addiction and or my recovery. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I can kind of speak to that. I bet you can. <laughs> <laughs> um Knowing your passion, I think that that's kind of where you fall off the map as far as mm. being able to open up and speak. And it's part of the growing process, right? It's kind of like, what do you want? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? How do you want to grow? What areas do you want to grow in? And it's like a constant, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know what I want to be. And it's part of that growing process. You know, it's it whenever you're able to sit down and... Mm write out your goals every day, or if you don't have goals, explore different types of things that maybe interest you until you find something that you really are passionate about. And finding that I think is is a struggle for a lot of people. It's still a struggle for me. I'm not going to say I know exactly what I want. I mean, I do in a sense, my, my, my wants are like, I want to be a speaker. I want to be passionate about positivity and share that with the world and what that looks like that's as far as what I want in life what that looks like is kind of still what I have to explore but hasn't quite manifested yet yeah so just showing up and doing what makes me feel best about myself and that's kind of how I approach that I think for me, and I'm sure there's others out there that can relate to this, but I think in one of our previous episodes, we talked about identity, like your identity during addiction and your identity after addiction while you're in recovery. And I mentioned earlier that going through addiction for 22 years, at a certain point, my identity became exactly what you might think it would be of someone who's that deep into addiction. It was like, okay, I'm Brett. I'm the addict. I'm this guy. Like, it's like, even though it wasn't a positive identity, identity, it was my identity at the time. And I feel like now being in recovery and no longer, even though I know I'm not that man anymore, I feel like there's still all these little leftover pieces 
of my mind that hang on to that identity. The feelings. The feelings of it all. And so it's like, it's weird. It almost contradicts itself because I know that I'm not, like I just mentioned a second ago, I'm not afraid at all by any means. I'm an open book when it comes to my addiction and everything to do with it. I have no problem talking about that with a a total stranger or on the other side of that, someone who's super, super close to me, like, you know, like I do with you. But it's like that identity I still wrestle with, even though I've made progress. And I think, you know, everybody's different. You and I have talked about it before, how like as soon as you hit recovery, like you, you knew all these things that were there before while you were in your, your, your addiction have like are still there. And now you can just follow through with them. You can pursue them. Right. Like for me, it's like after 22 years, it's like, okay, like I didn't really know anything else or any other person that other than Brett, the addict, Brett, the guy that chose drugs over so many other things in his life so it's like now coming out of that even though it's been a minute it's like still wrestling with that and discovering who I am and I just I guess I'd like to point out too to everybody listening like it's okay and like I tell money all the time it is okay to go at a different pace than somebody else try not to look at those around you going through the same thing they may be in a different place in the process you know what I mean mm-hmm. but as long as you're constantly growing and pursuing it and being open to it and I have someone money who's great about pushing <laughs> me towards that and I need to be pushed let's be honest I need to be pushed we all need to be pushed at times. I definitely need to be pushed, you know, in that area. It's easy to just fall back in the, I'm just not going to do anything and hang out and go through each day and do the bare minimum and get away with that, which is fine. Some people may love that life, but as far as I'm concerned, we got places to go and goals mm-hmm. to meet and things to do. And, you know, we're still young, especially at heart. Yeah. And here's <laughs> and we got a lot of life left to reach those goals and become something and become more than what we have been. Right. You know? And one thing I use, I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing or not, probably not, but it, it probably stunts my growth in that area. But it's like when we first got together, we started talking about this, like, how do we want to pursue like this, like you were talking about the positivity, how do we want to be a voice to people going through what we've gone through or or are going through what we're going through, you know? And I remember thinking, okay, like we just bought a business. That was a huge leap for us, right? We just started this lifestyle of, of not just our, our physical health and wellness, right? But our, our mental health as well. And so it's like we, we, we bought this business, which is obviously full-time, any business, anyone who has done that or is doing it knows what I'm talking about. But then it's like we were both, you know, not in the best shape by any means. You know what I mean? We let our nutrition and our, our kind of like physical health go. And so getting back into that, which is another big commitment and it does get easier. Uh, and then it was like, okay, we finally decided after many conversations, like maybe a podcast would be a good way to just get out there. And if we can help one person, then that's awesome. And that will grow into whatever. It's easy to, to look at all those things and all the things that we're currently doing, even the things that we haven't you know, mentioned yet that we're doing and go, that's enough. Like what more do we have to do? But I think it's that constant pursuit of growing. It's not about adding things to our list. It's not about adding more and more responsibilities. It's about how do we make this bigger? How do we grow this? How do we grow our podcast? How do we grow our business? How do we make, how do we make our reach larger? It's not about adding a new thing, a mm-hmm. new project. It's about building on the projects that we already have, on the things, the assets, the things that we already have in our hands that we are nurturing. How do we grow them? That's yeah, yeah. definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. It's kind of like when so you were talking about um, like I don't know what I want to do. Obviously, we have what we want to do in our hands. Right. It's a matter of growing it. But it's kind of like for a lot of other people that are just new in recovery. 
like starting out in your late high school years, like, okay, now I have to decide what career path I'm going to take. Mm -hmm. It's like starting all the way over. But uh, that's just one perspective, one way to look at it. I was kind of thinking about that. Like, I don't think I actually got a degree in college because I took my general education and then I'm like, so now I have now to what? pick something. <laughs> right. Crap decision time. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. So I I got pretty close, but I was never able to make that decision. And I'm sure that the partying and the alcohol didn't really help that either. And not having a clear mind and all that. But here I am today, sober Look and ready go. to grow. Right? I love it. I love it. Um, do you want to pick another one out? You pick one. Um, okay, let's see. I'm just going to pick a random one. Let's talk about fears on marriage and failure in relationships. This is one that we get a lot, not just even through like our social media account, but even in our nutrition club that we own. People will will talk about it because they see us you know, every day. And I mean, not to whatever, but people always comment on like just how much we seem like we're in love and how well we get along and things like that which is very true mm-hmm. like uh, definitely 100% true but like I always tell people like don't let me go back a second they see like the social media they see like our 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 content on social media regarding the podcast or just our daily life with the kids and life and yada yada and at the gym and stuff and that's all true and it's all great but like we don't want anybody to be fooled we want to be totally vulnerable and transparent like it is not all just like you know, sunflowers and rainbows. Yeah, I couldn't find the right one. Like, Ponies and rainbows. <laughs> I got it. Thing? Yeah, I got it. Cool. So, like, yeah, there is definitely. We talked about this the other day. Like, we talked about it at the very beginning. I think we've touched on it a few times just in our relationship. But like, going back just a little bit, when we started talking, it's been a year and a half now, right? We knew each other from the past. It was several, several years ago before we started talking again. But that's when both of us were in that party stage you know we were out drinking and using and just going to bars and doing all these things yeah we were party buddies that was what we were. yeah and it was fun it was a good time we had that chemistry uh you know even yeah even then it was yeah. great don't get me wrong then that ends whatever fast forward was it 14 it was 14 years right okay so 14 years later right when i monica popped up in my head again you know i had just gotten sober and i drove past this bar that we used to go to all the time her sister owned it and we used to party there with all of our friends. And I drove by and it, it, she popped in my mind. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, And I'd been back on Facebook. I took a, like a social media hiatus for like four years or whatever it was. And I just literally set up my Facebook account probably like three or four days before that. And so I didn't have you know, but just a few friends on there. So I searched Monica Beckman up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like it was a genuine, how is this girl doing? Like what is she up to? Like I miss her. And not in the sense of relationship, quote unquote, but just like this cool girl that I had so much fun with. Like I genuinely want to know like what she's up to, how she's doing in life, yada yada, right? <laughs> and so anyway, I pull her up and I look and I see just, you know, your standard kind of pictures of her and the kids and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, and she's more beautiful than ever. And Aww. I'm like, I want to reach out to this girl and like, and still genuinely just wanted to say hi, see what's up, how are things going? It really was nothing more than that. Uh, however, so I finally wait a few days to do it. And the reason I took a few days uh, to actually message her was because I was afraid, like, what if this girl is the same or version of the same girl that she was all those years ago, if she's still into the partying and and drinking and going out and the kind of lifestyle that I don't want to be in and that I cannot be in in my recovery. Like, I know better than that. So that, it took me a few days to like, and I've told her this many times, but it took me a few days before I got the, I don't know, the guts to message you because I did, I had a fear 
I had a fear of not necessarily a relationship or a fear of marriage at this point, obviously, but a fear of like, oh my gosh, do I open Pandora's box? What if she is still in, you know, a version of that party mode? Yeah, like because <laughs> I can't be like that. As much and as if I'm, you had messaged me a year earlier, I would have been right in that mode. And we talk about perfect timing, right? Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so there was that fear. Right. Um, but then fast forward a little bit when we I did finally message her and we started talking and the chemistry was there out of the gate like we never skipped a beat in 14 years. And so that told me a lot right there. But yet going through that process, we messaged all day, every day, every five seconds. You know what I mean? Talked on the phone every night. I was, was actually probably the first day that I told you that I was that I hadn't drank. Yep. And you're like, oh, I haven't drank in ten years. Right. And I, I'm sure both of us were like, yeah, that's <laughs> sure. Like legit. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've said that to people before. Oh, I don't use whatever. Then I passed out somewhere <laughs> field. Anyway, neither here nor there. But so again, going like a few days into it, we're talking and all this stuff. It's like I obviously started having feelings. Knew that she did too. And I'm like, man, like. A relationship like I just got sober and then obviously she did too you know what I mean like is this a good place for either one of us and I got me through NA and AA for all these years you know like they talk about not getting in any kind of like relationship for I think it's 18 months you know what I mean so there's always like that little thing in the back of my head like don't do that don't do that of course my parents who are involved right now or at this point were like you shouldn't do that you should do and everybody's saying that I shouldn't do that would be correct you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, even if you're following up, the quote unquote rules r- of right. sobriety and right. recovery, but it's worked out for us. And I've even talked to another couple who kind of went through the same thing. I mean, they started their addiction together and then wanted that wanted to end their addiction. They wanted to recover. They had a family and they even tried to get into rehabs and rehabs wouldn't let them because they were a married couple going through trying to go through recovery together and because it's so highly unrecommended is that a word yeah that you have a relationship or that you be in a relationship in your recovery that they were turned away and i mean i know 100 percent for us that having each other to lean on in this sobriety in this recovery in all of this that it's very possible that we may not have made it this far without one another i mean it's possible that we could have done it obviously by ourselves and without the support but it's very nice to have somebody who understands where you come from and understands addiction and understands and with no that, judgment along yeah with like, no oh judgment. My gosh. Yeah. Like, yeah like it knows that there's triggers and knows that there's things that could bring us back to a dark place and can help you get through those moments and we really lean on each other a lot i say it a lot and i we hear it a lot like man you guys just got lucky in that sense that you know monty was just talking about and yeah, there's obviously something there to that, but I'd like to give ourselves more credit. Like, I feel like, For sure. man, we don't just like, we didn't just bank on those feelings of chemistry and all that no. stuff in the beginning. Like we were intentional about our sobriety and not just being and staying sober, but like growing, like focusing on our relationship, like on our marriage. You know what I mean? Like we both had been in a place for so long that we knew that we didn't want anything to do with that to that particular place so we were both adamant about like we need to make sure that this is something that we prioritize more so than most people prioritize you know their relationship you know at this point it wasn't a marriage yet but i mean it was huge like so i'd like to give ourselves more credit because we are very intentional about this the silly things how we talk to each other the things that we say what we do how we how we respond or react to certain things the goals that we have um, the, the, the vulnerabilities that we have, the transparency, just 
letting each other know like, hey, this is something that I struggle with or I think about and it may not be a, a, a positive thing or a thing that grows me or moves me in the right direction, but having someone there that we can talk to about those types of things I think helps a lot. On a side note, when we talk about fears on marriage and failure in relationships, I don't think it's just, for me, I don't take that as just failure in relationships like, you know, with a significant other or a spouse or whatever. I look at it as failure in relationships with anybody, my family, my friends, you know what I mean? Like there is, when we first started talking, like my parents had, of course, loving and been in my life, but we had to kind of separate ourselves from each other uh, and kind of love from a distance because I was in such a bad place where they couldn't be around nor did I want them to, to see me the way I was. Um, and they also didn't want to become enablers, you know, which is a very fine line. There was a fear of jumping back into that relationship, not just with my parents, but with even some of my friends who I'm just now starting to talk to more and more, you know, a fear of letting them down again, fear of messing up, especially right out of the gate of, of, of being sober. It's like, man, they always talk about how uh, relapsing is a part of recovery, which that's a whole other subject. But you, so that's in your mind, like, what if I, what if I mess up? What if I don't handle their emotions towards the past in regards to me and my addiction the proper way? What if I, I fail them? If I let them down, if I, you know, because I always tell Monty, I tell myself, and we've talked about it before in the podcast, getting sober as big as decision it is, as a positive decision it is, it is not the end all be all. It's honestly very short lived, that natural high that comes from getting sober, deciding to get sober and staying sober. You know, so it's like now what if these people, these relationships, they now see me sober and I still don't live up to the person they thought or hoped I would be, you know, and I don't have addiction. I don't have my addiction to blame that on. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to jump in right here because my biggest fear as far as relationships goes is the one with myself. I am afraid to let myself down. I'm afraid to mess up again. I'm afraid that if I do something wrong, whether it be as a mother, as a sister, as a daughter, as a granddaughter, as a wife, you know, I'm going to beat myself up about it. And I even just having this last spring break for a week, yeah. I'm like, I didn't talk to my kids the way that I should have talked to my kids. I got angry too many times. Like even just those little things, not even just staying sober, like everyday life is scary. And having that self-talk that you need to be Give yourself some grace. Like we are still human at the end of the day. We are going to make mistakes no matter what. Um, but having a good relationship with yourself is going to allow you to have a good relationship with others as well. Let me ask you a question then. This is off the cuff. So do you now in recovery as a mom, especially right as person, do you hold yourself to a higher standard than you did when you were not sober? Meaning, you know, when people are sober or not sober, they tend to go, okay, man, if I just get sober, if I just don't use, if I just, you know, pay these bills, if I just don't do this or that, you know, sometimes it's as low, the bar is as low as not getting arrested or whatever. You know what I mean? Do you hold yourself to a higher standard now than you, than you might have possibly even thought about when you were, were using? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I feel like I should be on top of my game. I'm not drinking. I'm not a mess anymore. So why not be on top of my game? Yeah. And it's harder, I think too, because when you, like you just talked about this last week, if you don't live up to your standard, you know, you don't have anything to fall back on. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? As dumb as that sounds. I can't blame anybody but myself. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's something I think everybody needs to think about. Because... Which is kind of rough if you think about yeah. it, you know, cause I'm like super hard on myself now. It's yeah. like, if 
if I mess up, it's not alcohol's fault. Right. You have nothing to blame. It's on. mine. No shift blame. And mine only. And I do take that to heart. And it is, it's kind of tiring sometimes. Well, think about <laughs> I it. I probably should give myself a break. <laughs> you should. You should. Well, think about it. Like how many people do we know uh, intentionally and unintentionally that when something goes wrong, whether it's with a coworker or in your family, their instant, their instant idea is to shift the blame on somebody else. You know what I mean? And I don't think a lot of people, myself included, know they're even doing that. It's hard. It takes practice to be able to go, man, that's on me. Like there's no one to blame. You know what I mean? Even from like a leadership standpoint, you know, it's like, this is on me. Like I have no one else to. Yeah. So let me speak to failure from an alcoholic standpoint. What's the first thing you want to do when you've had a hard day at work or you've had a hard day with your children? You want to have that glass, have a drink, drink. like I need a drink. Yeah. So I'm even harder on myself because it's like, oh, you've had this shitty day. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't sit down and relax and have a drink, you know? Sit down and relax and have a protein bar. Yes. But I mean, that's also another shift that you have coming out of alcoholism because it is so acceptable and everybody does it. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, they can do it, you know, but I can't. And I know that and that's okay. But starting to live with that is also Mm -hmm. another thing that we have to think about. And how it affects our relationship with ourselves, our relationships with others. And that's just one of the pieces of many that you have to, it's a process and you have to just continue to work on and grow. Like I always tell people, getting sober, your life doesn't automatically change overnight. It does in a lot of ways, but it's not like, oh, I was this person in my addiction and now because I'm sober, whether it's a day or six months, it's not like, oh, everything's just fixed and everything's, what'd you say? Ponies and rainbows, sunflowers. Sunflowers and, and rainbows. Yeah, whatever. You get my point. Anyway, <laughs> Butterflies and rainbows. Butterflies and rainbows. Um, so I, we're talking about this, and it's kind of shifting into a few of these other pinpoints we have here. Uh, negative self-talk. We've kind of talked that talked about that a little bit, but perfectionism and doing it messy. Uh-oh. I kind of want to talk about that Uh-oh. one. Why is that? Why do you want to talk about that one? What's saying, what, what makes that one stand out, babe? <laughs> so I am very much a perfectionist. But at the same time, I'm very willing to do it messy. I'm more of a have an idea, start doing the idea, and run with it. Brett, on the other hand, is more of a... I'm not that way. More of a, well, we have this and this and this going on, and we haven't finished it, and so we can't do anything else. And it's like, no, you gotta you got to try it before you're... I talked really about not adding to the list. This is, in a way, kind of what I'm from. talking about. Yeah. So we have... Well, we let have, me point out real quick. Okay. So when we first started all this, like, she doing it messy and not you know perfect she wasn't as good as she is now at that like I mean even silly things like putting yourself out there in social media right and not really caring like knowing who your audience is and and knowing why you're 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 even just simply posting these certain things that's not something that she was great like even like doing reels or, or sorry lives whatever you know, or both mm-hmm. really no or just talking in the on yeah. a video in the last, I would say, three, four, five months, whatever, like she has gotten so much better about that. And I can honestly say that she's now it's like 100% good. I'm not there yet. But. Yeah, Brett's um, won't take selfies, won't. <laughs> and let's, guys, for guys who are listening and, for, and for, for girls that are listening, like most guys, not all, and the same is true about, about women, it's not all women. Generally speaking, what I have found, you know, in all my years of being on, you know, social media and, and doing stuff like this, Girls find it, e- women find it easier and more comfortable taking 
selfies and, and doing that. Sometimes guys just don't think about it. I'm not making this as an excuse. Hmm. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> I think that is an excuse, is it, honey. Is I'm movie? looking at this other one here. It says, don't compare yourself to others. You aren't them. And that is the beauty of it. And I think that that's something that we all need to remember. Who cares what anybody else is doing, male or female or whatever in between? <laughs> it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It's how are you showing up? What are you doing to grow your business? What are you doing to share what you have with the world? It doesn't matter what somebody's going to think about what angle you took that selfie at. It doesn't? What, nobody <laughs> cares what you're doing. And you know what? They might care. And who gives a shit? Because right. it's not their life. They're not growing. They're not going anywhere. They're probably jealous of that picture that you just took because they want to be doing that or whatever their problem is. If somebody's judging you, that is a reflection on themselves. It is not a reflection Correct. on you. So what I have learned and the reason why I am so much more comfortable showing up as a person that I truly am is I get to show up as I am and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And I started doing it. And the second that I started doing it, I could, I could find little things that I'm like, Oh, I, I, I wouldn't have done that. Or yeah. why do I look like that or whatever? But eventually it's like, I don't even care. I'm going to do it and I'm going to get it done and I'm going to continue to do it and I'm going to get better at it as I keep going and keep doing it. And the more I do it, the more comfortable I'm going to be with it. And I have many people who message me and, and will be like, I'm so glad that you're doing this every day because I see your posts and it makes me feel so good. Like, don't stop doing what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, so somebody saw it. They didn't judge me for it. Mm -hmm. They were happy that I was doing it because they feel the same way that I feel. And they're not in a place that they could share that. Or maybe that's not what they want to do, but they want to hear that somebody else is in the same position as them. And I was able to bring a little bit of hope to their life or make them smile or make them go work out or make them have give them the motivation or whatever it might have been and all that was because I just showed up as myself and I didn't care what anybody else thought about it except the people that are getting something good out of it I care about that that is what I care about the people that are getting something out of it that otherwise wouldn't have right. if I didn't show up yep I agree again that's just something I need to work on and again it's not an excuse, but it's people going at their own pace. But that's why I said I'm glad. I said earlier I'm glad that Monty's there to push me because she does push me. Don't don't be fooled. She does push me every day to do that, and I'm probably a little bit more stubborn than I should be. It's a work in progress. But on that note, next kind of thing I kind of transition to this: the mindset of the quote unquote haters and why they feel that way. So you just talked about people, you know, that's posting on social media and the people that judge you and things like that. I or always, even judge the fact that we started a relationship and... Oh, yeah. It's, you can <laughs> we're not pick so a category. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like, I always compare, like, the haters to, like, you ever watch a group of guys, I was one of these guys back in the day, who are watching, like, some sort of, you know, like, professional sports game or college game, whatever it is, and they're sitting on the couch, Right. And all they do is complain and bitch about the coach making this call, their player doing that or not doing this, or the offensive coordinator, whatever the case may be. And they're like, oh man, I could have done, I could have done it. You're the one sitting on the couch. You're not taking action. You're couch coaching or couch playing, whatever you want to call it. Like I always, I always found it difficult and I still do to this day. It's a lot easier to handle now because knowing I'm, I'm taking different steps, but it's like, the haters are usually the ones that are, it's an internal thing, right? It's a reflection. They're either 
don't agree with what you're doing or why you're doing it. They think it's silly, stupid. You shouldn't do that. Like, you know, you're posting too much or, or they're jealous uh, or it could be a jealousy thing, but it's a reflection of them in some, Mm -hmm. in some way. You know what I mean? And I always just found that interesting. Yeah. What do they say? The more haters you have doing something right. Yes, exactly. Doing something right. So it's like, you're showing up and, and you're striking some sort of fuse in somebody else, whether it be good or bad. And ultimately those haters, may end up following you and doing what you do and you know if you can turn somebody around turn their thoughts around then good on you I mean I've been a hater before you know and and I've got turned I've got turned I've got turned I've got converted or whatever you want to call it I still convert you I think sometimes on some things (laughs) you're like nope never doing that never doing that five days later five minutes later here's Brett doing that (laughs) yeah so now that's anyway I just thought I put out what's the next Topic you Let's want next see. Question. Fears that hold us back. We've kind of touched on that. We did. One of my fears, though, I said it earlier, but it's a fear of failure, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people can relate to that in addiction or not. You know what I mean? It's a fear of failing. If I try, if I pursue this podcast, if I pursue this healthy lifestyle, if I, if I pursue this relationship in the way I want to, I'm afraid of failing. So I may or just not go for it. Or afraid of not living up to your own standard. expectation. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this, but what if I don't do it good enough, mm-hmm. you know? And you can't think about whether or not you're going to be good enough. That's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. If you're not doing it, then you're definitely not good enough because you didn't do it at all. Like those that let the fear kind of paralyze them? Yeah. You know? Yes, you they can get, be get... paralyzed by fear. Like I know when we decided to start the podcast, I know both of us were like, oh man, we were struggling with like, are we right for this? Like, do we have a voice that anybody's going to want to hear and things like that? We don't anymore. I think both of us have gotten so much better at going, hey, look, we're going to make this podcast. Of course, we're new to it. It's going to change. It's going to grow. We're going to get better. It's going to get better. The content, all these things. I don't believe that we struggle. We fear that anymore. Now it is, we've accepted the fact of the things I just said, we'd accepted all that. You know what I mean? So I think that's just one example. Obsessive thoughts on protecting my children from growing up with insecurities or a damaged view on life, along with another one, raising children, tough love versus versus nurturing love. So this is one thing that (laughs) Brett and I are on two completely different sides of the plane as far as um, our children. I have obsessive thoughts on protecting my children and growing up with insecurities or a damaged view on life because I kind of was jaded as a child and as an adult now and also being an alcoholic for the first 15 years of my adult life and now my oldest son is 13 years old so he had to go through that and it was one thing I promised myself that I would never do. I will never let my children grow up the way that I did with the lack of parenting I guess or lack of direction, or lack of encouragement. Like, my parents loved me, and I knew that. I love my parents. I still love my parents. They are everything to me. But I could have used a little bit of direction, and often I find myself thinking, like, what if I had had two people to guide me through life and to 
encourage me to make the right decisions and to love me and to, you know, do all these things that I want for my children. Like, where could I be right now? Like, I could be so much further along. I am obsessed with yeah. <laughs> making sure that my children don't feel disregarded or feel shameful or feel unloved or like they've done something wrong. And I think, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with making sure that my kids always feel good about themselves. However, raising children is tough. It is tough. <laughs> you guys, anyone with kids out there knows this. And knows it's this. like, Brett's on this whole other end where it's kind of like, no, the kids have rules. And if they, if they mess that rule up, then there's a consequence. Right? Right. We have rules and we have consequences. And I'm like, well, we have and guidelines. We have, and we have and learning we have, opportunities, though. We have learning opportunities, Teaching absolutely. Opportunities. But I think teaching opportunities, learning opportunities are different from consequences, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're just like, okay, you messed up, go to your room, you're not having dinner, you're going straight to bed, you know, like that's what... <laughs> you're telling me there's something wrong with that? Yeah. It's like, what are they learning from that, right? It's more about like, let's figure out the issue and why they're acting this way, which we did learn a lot about in this class that we recently mm -hmm. took, a conscious discipline class for our children. And that was very helpful. It very much empowered me and yeah. my thoughts. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. Because it's more on my side of the plane, I think, uh, than it is on Brett's side. So that's a, a struggle. It is. It's a daily, it, literally, it's a daily struggle. Daily struggle, especially with a five-year-old. The twelve-year-old, it's not that bad. But with a five-year-old, it is because we are, like she said, we're on two totally ends of the spectrum, right? And I think a lot of that goes, like she mentioned, like her past, you know, with the, the parents and, and whatever. And mine was just different. Like there was love in my household. I was always loved and all those things. But it was just, it was different. There were, it was more of do this or don't, and this is what's going to happen. And, you know, things like that. And it was just kind of part goes in how, how you were raised, I think. But one thing I will say is even though we're on two totally ends of the spectrum, we talk all the time about being open-minded and I have a willingness to grow or change or whatever. I know, and I can speak for both of us, that we know that my side of the spectrum isn't the only way or the right way and that her side is not the only way or the right way. We Sometimes. know there's... Yeah, right? Just kidding. Yeah. There's a... <laughs> Are you though? No. There's literally, there's that balance we have to strike. I know that I have to move a little bit over to her side on certain things, you know, and it, it, it's harder for me. It is definitely harder for me, but I do. I know that I need to, you know what I mean? And I also know because of like what she just mentioned before about her childhood, I know that this is a bigger issue for her. It's a bigger thing. It stands out more. It means more. She's more sensitive to it. Very right. passionate about Yeah, and there's nothing it, yeah. wrong with that. You know what I mean? So, But it is that open-mindedness and that willingness to grow and change. You know what I mean? It's not one, one size fits all. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? But And I'm not going to lie. There are days that, like I mentioned, like spring week. break, <laughs> that I screamed more than I wanted to scream. I yelled at my kids more than I wanted to yell. And, mm. you know, I'm not proud of that. But at the same time, it's like... I can't be perfect all the time and I have to accept that for myself and and in those moments maybe Brett's way is a little more conducive but also just taking a deep breath and gathering my thoughts and getting through it and sometimes it's not it's easier said than done sometimes right. but let's be honest I mean every like I said earlier everybody who has kids especially who's had or has kids at that age it's tough 
It is tough. No matter which side of the spectrum you're on, no matter how well you and your, your partner, the mom and dad or whatever are working on it, it is tough. It is tough because it's an all day, every day thing. It's not like, oh, it's just a couple times a day at dinner or whatever. It is, it's all day. It is a stressor all day. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's something that you just have to be aware of. You have to be mindful of it and you just have to constantly work on it. And again, we, she mentioned that conscious discipline class that we went to, you know, for, it was a five week program. Yeah. Okay. So the whole thing was, it wasn't exactly what, it wasn't at all what we thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to be like, oh, how to parent and all these specific things. It was really about our mindset as parents, how we view things, our perspective, you know, where we, what kind of mental, emotional state are we in as parents? So yeah, being aware of that is, I think, the key thing. So I think this is a good opportunity to kind of wrap things up. So really what it boils down to, right, especially being in addiction and coming out of alcoholism or using drugs and living in recovery now, we have all the same stressors that everybody else has, even after we give up our drug of choice, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really about shifting our mindset and becoming a better version of ourselves, and focusing on that every single day. And we talk about this all the time. It has to be every day. You have to be doing something every single day to make yourself better or to grow. And we have to shift our mindset from everything's negative to how can we find something positive in whatever situation that you're going through. Um, And each and every one of these things that we talked about today, like Brett just mentioned, it's about ourself and how we're feeling about ourselves. So continuing with the self-love, continuing with using positive words, continuing with growing, working out, taking care of our bodies, taking care of our minds and doing all these things. It's so important, not only to just regular everyday life, but especially in recovery. Anyone who is in addiction before, alcoholism, addiction, whatever, I see it all the time, like, you know, it's work. When you are an addict, like for me, when I was using all those years, it took work. It took a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice to be a drug addict. Anybody who's in that or knows anybody that's in that or been in that, it's a lot of work. And people always told me like, if you could just put that much energy and effort into being the best version of yourself, like how much better off would you be? And that is 110% accurate. I feel like I have to put the same amount of work, effort, energy, time, sacrifice into my life now in recovery and all these things that we need to do as I did when I was in my addiction. I like that you put it in that perspective because you've talked before about how you would wake up in the morning and decide which drug was copacetic for your day. What do I have to do today? What drug is going to best suit that? But now it's like, what form of personal development am I going to choose this morning to go throughout my day today? And that can be as small as thinking positive thoughts while you're getting ready in the morning. It doesn't have to be extravagant. You don't have to sit and meditate for an hour. You don't have to, you know, wake up and work out immediately. But just simple little mind shift things like thinking positive thoughts in the morning, being intentional about it while you're getting ready is going to set you up for a day of good thoughts, a day of positive things. You're just going to have a more positive outlook on life if you can wake up and do that in the morning. Can you tell by her tone, everyone who's listening, that she's talking (laughs) right at me? (laughs) I'm like, what do you mean? Just waking up and not using drugs? That's not enough. (laughs) 
<laughs> the answer to that is no, it is not enough. So. It's not. And you anyway. have to be very intentional. Well, this was a fun it was. little it was fun. episode. Yeah, it was. So this is one of the reasons we appreciate everybody's, you know, whether they're messages or emails on social media or whatever, uh, or just comments on our lives and, and just any kind of feedback. Because these are things that we want to touch on. We want to respond to you. We want to, we want to just give you what you want. And when you have questions or ideas for comments, concerns, topics, whatever it is, we want to give that to you guys. Yes. So thanks for the questions and the feedback and just being here and listening to us and following along. We This gives us purpose and gives us a way to shine our light and be who we want to be. And we appreciate you guys. We do. Definitely. All right. Well, you guys have an awesome day and thanks for tuning in. See you next week. All right, that is all we have for you today. We sincerely hope that you were able to gain something from this episode. I know I sure did. And that you walk away feeling a little bit better than you did before. With that being said, we would appreciate all of your questions, your feedback, or even any ideas that you have for topics or personal struggles that you may be having or have experienced with yourself or even a friend or family member. To do that, you can email us at addictedtolivingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find more about us on our personal Facebook pages and join our Addicted to Living Facebook group from there. You can find us on Instagram at Addicted to Living Podcast. If you liked our podcast today, do us a huge favor and like and subscribe so that you know when new episodes drop. We wouldn't want you to miss out. With that, live life in the moment and make today great.